That's a good song leader, Billy, to draw out uh, more volume out of this group. That's good. I, I'm going to accuse you of something, Billy. I think you pick out your songs based on the tenor line. <laughs> Just so you can hear that, that part. That's good. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4. We want to talk tonight about prayer. About 20 minutes here about prayer, and then we're going to take about 20 minutes to pray, um, both being led by, by some men in prayer and also praying personally. And then uh, closing tonight, asking those of you that are heads of families, uh, primarily husbands and fathers, to lead your family in prayer. And if you are here tonight with us and you're single, that's fine. We're going to group you up with some other singles and and, uh, you can pray as a group as well. But Acts chapter 4 is where our text is tonight. We're going to look at this church in Acts praying. And uh, let me read to you verse 30. One, Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. I, that's my prayer for this coming week. We're going to pray. Uh, the place is going to be shaken, not an earthquake. And that we're all going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and speak God's word with boldness. Father, give us a heart to pray tonight, but not just tonight, Monday through Friday this week, Sunday of next week, to pray specifically that you would work in our hearts, first of all, that you would use the preaching and uh, the encouragement from your word and the truth um, to stir us up where we need conviction that you would lead our brother, Matt Galvin, to preach messages that are pointed at our sin so that we see clearly where we've offended you and that we would have that repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. We'd be quick to ask for your forgiveness. We'd be quick to receive it. We wouldn't walk around with the weight of guilt or shame, but we would rejoice that our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and then move forward and do greater things for you than we've done in the past. And so we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Amen. Elmira Baptist Church is a church that believes that prayer matters. That's why on Wednesday nights we take time to pray. There's occasional Wednesdays we have a special group in or uh, maybe a speaker and we don't take time to pray. But but most Wednesday evenings we're going to set aside time at the end of that Bible study, whether it's a group Bible study or whether it's men's Bible study and women's Bible study, we're going to set aside time to pray because prayer matters. Prayer is important. When, when I was growing up, um, we, we attended churches much like this, a uh, small group of believers, and nothing wrong with that. I, I think sometimes what we missed was we missed that what mattered was prayer. It wasn't necessarily more organization, although organization is good. I, I'm not against organization. I, I work at that. Uh, organization is good. Programs are good. I, we really were blessed. I was personally blessed by our vacation Bible school program this summer. So we want to have programs and we're going to have, uh, the teens are going to meet this Saturday. I'm glad for a, a, a group, a husband and wife who care enough to get teen events organized. Programs are fine. But without prayer, it, it doesn't have the power of God and that's what we need most of all. So I grew up in these churches, uh, again, nothing wrong with small churches, but today if you were to return to the locations where those churches used to meet, you'll find that no church meets there anymore. And I think the reason is, is when we stop praying, it's almost as if, physically speaking, analogy, 
it's almost as if we stop breathing. You're not going to last very long without breathing. You can go a while without any food. I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but you can. You can go a little bit, a few days without water. It doesn't take very long before you start to get uh, disoriented. But you can't go hardly any amount of time without breathing. And prayer is, an, is absolutely vital to our uh, church. Let me give you just here, as, as we, by way of introduction, just give you some general observations regarding prayer for tonight. One is that when we pray, we ought to humble ourselves. This is whether we're praying privately or whether we're praying corporately. We ought to take time to humble ourselves and to examine ourselves and where we find and ask God to examine us and where we find sin to confess it. Because we always like to think that the problem is out there. And sure, there are problems out there. But we need to start by taking care of the problems that are in here first. Billy preached last week, you can't bury your sin deep enough. And I don't want to presume or just assume that, hey, everything's good at Elmira Baptist Church and and what we need is to move forward. Maybe there's something in my heart. Maybe there's something in your heart that God wants to put his finger on tonight. And so in a few minutes when we take time to pray, we're going to take time to confess. Ask God to examine you. Say, search me. Oh God, know me, try me. And where God says, hey, this is, this is something you're doing that uh, breaks my law, or this is something you ought to be doing and you're not doing it, don't be embarrassed or ashamed. Just talk to God about it. Say, God, you're right, I'm wrong, forgive me, and accept the free forgiveness God has for you. If Satan can't get us to stay in our sin and to harbor iniquity in our heart, he certainly would like us to carry around a big weight of guilt. But God doesn't want us to feel guilty. If we are his children, God does not want us to feel guilty. So we want to humble ourselves. Uh, secondly, um, just another general observation. I, I, I'm convinced that many times my lack of influence in ministry is due to my lack of prayer. And I'm convinced that as a church, we can do more for God after we've prayed. But so often we try to rush into ministry and we haven't taken time to pray, which is why this evening as a, as a church, we're going to take some time to pray. Third, when we pray, we want to pray believing that God will direct our prayers. Now, we're not just sort of, you know, God, I think this would be nice and oh, maybe, maybe this. And have you ever considered this? I mean, God, God already knows what we're going to pray. So we want to pray, asking the Holy Spirit to direct our thinking and then trust that he's going to direct our thinking and pray for those requests that he leads us to pray for. And then because he's led us to pray for that, we're going to pray in faith, believing that God will answer those requests that he's led us to. Not answer the things that I want. I preached about that this morning. I could give you a whole list of things that I want, and I don't think God's interested in any of that. But if we ask God to direct our prayers, we can pray in faith, knowing that he will direct our our prayers, and then pray with confidence, not, you know, God, would you please? No, no, God, you've asked us to pray for, and I mentioned some of these requests toward the end here, uh, things that I believe we, we ought to pray for here in the coming week. Maybe there'll be a few that God will add to your mind. Write those things down, and let's pray faithfully this week for those things. Now, here in Acts chapter 4, we see a church that's in trouble. 
Now this church is in trouble. Let me read to you Acts chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Acts chapter 4, verse 1, And as they spake unto the people, this would have been John and Peter, As they spake unto the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people, and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, and put them in hold, that is, in prison, until the next day, for it was now eventide. And then the next day they're going to tell them this in verse 21, Acts chapter 4, verse 21. So when they had further, this would have been the council, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. They threatened them and they specifically commanded them in verse 18 not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. So we have a church that has, they're in trouble, but they're not in trouble for doing wrong. They're in trouble for doing right, aren't they? In chapter 3, in chapter 3, they've healed a man. Maybe someone under the age of 18 can tell me what the affliction was of the man in, in, in Acts chapter 3 that was healed. Yes, Cutler? Leprosy. Not leprosy, but that's a good guess. What was the affliction of the man in Acts chapter 3 that Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give it thee. Yes, Chloe? He was lame. He had never walked in his life. And now he was an adult. But when Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, that guy started jumping around. Not just walking, leaping, the Bible says. Now, you would think, you would think that the religious leaders would be thrilled. Here's a guy who was lame, he couldn't walk, he was a beggar because he couldn't do any work. Suddenly he's healed. Why aren't they excited? Because they had done it in the name of Jesus. And that infuriated them, made them so mad. And you know what? Our church is sometimes going to face headwinds, not because we've done anything wrong, but because we're doing things that are right. And people aren't always going to like that. There's a second reason why they were facing trouble, and that's in verse 4, Acts 4, verse 4 says, How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. How many was saved on the day of Pentecost? 3,000. Here it says 5,000. I think good things are happening to this church, but at the same time, good things are happening. They're being threatened. They're told not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. And being threatened probably with beatings or even execution. We know in chapter 12 that Herod is going to take uh, James, one of the disciples, and going to have his head cut off. We know that he's going to take Peter, expecting to execute him as well. So this church is facing um, uh, trouble. And so what do they do? They pray. Look with me at Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, remember verse 21, when they had further threatened them, they let them go. That's verse 21. Now verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Now, look up here for a second. We're going to get to the prayer that the church is going to pray. But let's imagine this is an American church, okay? And they've been threatened with jail time maybe even with uh, beatings or execution if they keep preaching in the name of Jesus. They're told you got to stop doing what you're doing. We don't care if you meet and keep everything within your four walls, but you don't bring this out in public. What would an American church pray? God, you know, bring judgment down on the government and give us new leaders and, you know, protect us. 
That's not what they pray. Look with me at the prayer starting in verse 24, Acts chapter 4, verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. They start by praising God. They don't start with their complaints. They don't start with the injustice of it all. They don't start with how it's not fair. Here they're trying to do right. and They're being, being uh, persecuted. It's not where they start at all. They start by recognizing who God is. And we're going to pray for that uh, tonight, that we would have a greater knowledge of and a greater love for God. That's where this prayer starts. Verse 25, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? This is from Psalm 2. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do, notice this next phrase, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. What are they recognizing there? They're recognizing that God's at work even when things go differently than we expect. The disciples were expecting Jesus to come in and, and take a, 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 a political crown and rule as king. And instead, the religious leaders arrested him and executed him. And this is what they say in verse 27, uh, 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And then verse 29, and now behold their threatenings. So they do bring up that they're being threatened. But here's their request. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now they've just been threatened. Quit talking about Jesus. Quit talking about his resurrection. And so they obviously pray for boldness to keep talking. That, that amazes me. Boldness to keep talking, and then verse 30, by stretching forth thine hand to heal. They had done that in chapter 3, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Don't heal in this name. And so they pray for boldness to talk and for more miracles to be done in the name of Jesus. And why are they praying why are they praying? This is a rhetorical question, but listen for a second. Why are they praying for miracles to be done in the name of Jesus? So that life is easy for them? So that, uh, you know, they, they can become famous? They can become world-renowned faith healers and hold another faith healing seminar in Rome? No, not at all. They're praying for Jesus, that these healings to be done in the name of Jesus so that God will be glorified, so that Jesus will be glorified. These miracles authenticate their ministry. That's verse 30. Now verse 31, which I read to begin with, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. The reason we're having time to taking time to pray tonight is I don't want us to go into these meetings with Matt Galvin just carelessly, just casually. Of course he's coming, right? I didn't bring him in so I could have a week off of preaching. Uh, he's not a personal friend, although I, I have a lot of respect for him. I just met him myself last uh, 
November when he came out for the first time, he came highly recommended. Yes, I didn't just look him up in the, on the internet, but it's not that he's a personal friend. I think that his preaching will speak to our hearts if we will be open to that. I think his preaching will speak to our young people, young people, if you'll be open to that. Don't have this attitude, young people, well, when I get to be old, 25, then, no, 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 no. Look to seek the Lord now. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I think that's a, one of the applications of that verse is for young people. Don't, don't wait till you're old to take your Christian life seriously. But we need to be open to that. So there are some requests that um, I, I want us to make to God tonight. And I'm going to go over these again. I'll have them up here if you want to write them down then. So I'm just going to go through them quickly so you know where I'm headed with this. One of the requests that I want us to make is to pray that we will grow in our knowledge of God and we will grow in our love for God through this week. There, here in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, notice what it says about Peter and John. Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. It wasn't that they were really smart people. It wasn't that they were spectacularly educated or had all this rhetorical skill. But when the council met with Peter and John, they said, wow, wow. The, wow, the, these guys, they've been with Jesus. I hope that over the next uh, six days leading up till next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I hope you will take time to spend time with Jesus. Take some time in his word. Take some time in prayer. Sing a song of praise to him. Meditate on what he has to say. Spend time with Jesus. And we want to pray that God would fill our hearts again with a love for God and fill our hearts again with a desire to know Him and to walk with Him. So that's one of our, going to be one of our requests tonight. Another thing we're going to ask for God to do in our lives is that He would send power from on high. Power to change us. Now, if we're going to pray for power to change us, you know what that requires, doesn't it? that we'd be willing to change, right? It's easy for me to pray, okay, Lord, you've got to change my wife. I mean, she really needs help. And my kids, boy, those kids of mine, right? It's easy for me to pray for other people. I'm not asking us to start there tonight. I'm asking us to start with me. I'm going to start with me. I'm asking you to start with you and say, God, send power from on high to change me in this coming week. examine me carefully. Where is it that I have failed you and I've sinned? I need to confess that. Where is it that I can do better? Where is it that I used to do so well at this, but, you know, I've grown weary and well-doing and kind of slacked off, and frankly, I just haven't been as fervent as I used to be. We want God to change us. I want God to change me. I want you to want God to change you. This requires humility. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
And if I can just warn you, that's where we're going to close off the gates of God's grace. If we determine that I'm okay, I don't need God's help. It's everybody else that needs God's help. If your attitude is, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to perfect. I'm not quite there, but I'm, I'm so close that I don't really need God's help. I'm, I'm going to pray for everyone else, but I'm not going to pray for myself. Then we've just closed off the gates of God's grace and you aren't going to experience a whole lot. In fact, you probably won't think much of Galvin's preaching. You certainly won't think much of my preaching. Let's start there by humbling ourselves and saying, God, examine my life and change me. And then we're going to pray also for God's power to change others. I hope you're inviting folks to come. Maybe some folks that are not saved. I know Brother Galvin to be soul conscious. He'll, he'll ask people, are you a Christian? Are you, are, you, are you saved? He will preach the gospel while he's here. I know because he did this to me in November. He'll say to me, hey, who are your counselors? Who's ready? If someone comes forward for salvation, who's ready to deal with them? Why? Because he is praying that God will change other people's lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to pray for salvation, the salvation of others. I want you to pray for repentance. There may be some Christians that come this coming week, uh, and uh, maybe they come because they invited you. Maybe they show up on accident. Of course, we know it's providential, but they just sort of show up looking, you know, I want to see what your church is like. Let's pray for God's power to be here not so that we're glorified, not so that Elmira Baptist Church looks good, but so that God is glorified and that Christians' lives are changed. Let's pray with an earnest expectation that God will work in this coming week. Don't, don't just pray, you know, God, you know, pastor sort of, he's, he's pretty worked up about this, you know, give him some grace, calm him down and, and, you know, maybe send us some help. No, 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 no. Let's not just go through the motions of, of having a special speaker in. Let's pray expecting God to, number one, work in my heart. Number two, work in the hearts of other Christians to bring them to repentance. And number three, work in people's hearts to bring folks to salvation. So we're going to take some time uh, to pray tonight and uh, hold your place here in Acts chapter 4. To get some guidance in prayer, we're going to turn to James chapter 4. Because the first place we're going to start tonight in, in praying is we're going to pray for God to clean us up. Again, um, last week, Billy preached about Achan trying to hide his sin in his tent, trying to hide those things that he had stolen, the forbidden things, hide them. And, and even when they called out the tribe of Judah and he had a chance to say, yeah, that's me, he didn't say anything. And when they cried called out his clan, and he had a chance to say, yep, yep, you're, you're getting real close, it's me. He didn't say anything. And then they called out his father's house, his aunts and uncles, his brothers, his sisters, his uh, nieces and nephews, and he had a chance to say, yep, that's me, but he didn't until they called out Achan. Let's not wait until God calls you out by name in front of everybody. Let's ask God to examine us tonight and show us if there's any sin that we need to deal with. Here in James chapter 4, look at verse 8 with me. God says to us, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves 
in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Again, in the middle of verse 8, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. In verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. We want to start tonight by asking God to cleanse us. I'm going to invite Matt to come up. He's going to lead us as a group in prayer for cleansing. And then after he says amen, we're going to take two or three minutes and uh, we're, we're going to just pray to God where we're at, where you're at. And you ask God, examine me, check my heart, see if there's a w- any wickedness in me and where God says, yep, this is your sin, confess it to him. Again, you don't have to go do penance. You don't have to tell us about it. You just have to say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. Forgive me. Matt, would you come lead us in prayer, asking the Lord to, to examine us? And then when he says amen, we're just going to take two or three minutes uh, and examine each of our own hearts where we're at.